All right, all right, all right. Welcome to Investment Banking Insights, the only show dedicated to helping you learn both the technical and the non-technical aspects of investment banking. My name is Alex Mason. <laughs> I'm your host. I kind of rushed through that, right? I should, I should probably restart. Welcome to Investment Banking Insights. <laughs> I'm just messing around at this point. Uh, just having a fun day over here in Ithaca, New York. Oh, man. And um, I ran into a listener in class, actually, uh, the other day. It was so cool. Um, some of you here at Cornell are listening to the show, and I'm really appreciative of that. So shout out to uh, to my classmates there. So what, were, what are we talking about today? We're talking about leverage buyouts, trying to understand the technical aspects of it, get our hands into the basics. And today's question is this. What are considered reasonable leverage ratios in an LBO? What are some reasonable leverage ratios? Well, we know that one way through which we can determine a company's reasonableness as far as how much debt is on its balance sheet is by using ratios or multiples. And it's really the same tool that we use way back in the valuation section of the show, we talked about multiples for valuation a lot, but instead of using them to understand how much a company is worth, we're using it to understand debt, the relative level of debt for a company. Now, a leverage or coverage ratio, it tells us how much debt a company has relative to some kind of profitability or cash flow metric. For example, EBITDA, or maybe we have a certain amount of coverage for interest payments, for example. Now, what is what is considered reasonable? Well, it's kind of hard to put a, a really concrete number on this because there's so many different situations. But we could say that as a general rule of thumb, five to 10 times EBITDA would be considered very high. And that might really be the quote unquote max as a general rule of thumb. But again, the real answer is that the ratio is it's unique to the company that you're analyzing. It's unique to the industry that the company exists in. And it's also unique to what's going on in the market at the time. For example, interest rates. I mean, we saw a period here in the United States for pretty much the past decade where interest rates were very low. And because interest rates were very low, companies wanted to capitalize on this opportunity, let's say, to borrow tons and tons of money at very low rates. And it was this huge stimulus into the economy. And so companies that maybe during normal times may have been more prudent with their balance sheet and maybe had debt at one to two to three times EBITDA, maybe they had it at five times EBITDA or six times EBITDA, but oh, don't worry, it's okay. Our interest expenses are very low because interest rates are low. So you, you have these market dynamics happening too, and what's considered acceptable by the mainstream is going to be affected by perception of the market at that point in time. Now, I kind of just went off on a tangent there <laughs> that that was like the deep market based answer but <laughs> the interview answer is it depends right it depends on 
the specifics of what's going on with the company industry and the market. But we can say that 30 times EBITDA is probably too much debt, right? Let's, let's put this in context for a moment because we want to understand why this really matters. So if a company has debt on its balance sheet, that's 30 times what the EBITDA is, that's going to be a major problem as far as the company remaining solvent and being able to pay the interest on its debt. So that means that for every $1 in EBITDA the company makes, it has $30 of debt on its balance sheet, on its books. And what is this equivalent to? It's equivalent to imagine that you have a $100,000 salary, right? And you're trying to make a payment on a $30 million mortgage for your house. <laughs> that just doesn't make sense, right? Uh, so it's, it's, it's actually, oh wait, more like a $3 million mortgage. I think I added a zero there. But nonetheless, it's still a lots of money relative to what you're making, right? Like how could you pay a payment on a $3 million mortgage with a $100,000 salary? That you're just not going to be able to do it. You're not solvent. So that's why these ratios are important because it helps us gauge as investment bankers, as advisors, how risky the profile of a company is because we're trying to look at it from the viewpoint of our clients too, right? If our client is a private equity firm and they're trying to perform a leverage buyout of another company, we they probably want to know how much debt could they put on this company reasonably, right? And also the structure of that debt. You know, we talked about tranches a little bit in the last episode. So that's kind of the lens with which we can view the situation is the reasonableness. Of course, it depends on a variety of factors. But the reason that we care about this is because we want the company to be able to basically pay its bills and continue moving on as a successful company. So that's the why behind it. So reasonable leverage ratios, different things to consider, and we've explored them here over the last few minutes. But that's what I got for you today here on Investment Banking Insights. My name is Alex Mason. I am your host, and I'm so grateful for you listening, so grateful for you joining. If you're just starting your classes like I am here in the fall, you know, good luck to you getting all your books, getting your getting your homework assignments, and just you know, doing your thing. So props to all the students out there. I will see you on the next episode. Take care and have a wonderful day.